Okay, it looks like we're starting this episode off with a little bit of anger, a little bit of I'm mad right now, I am upset, and yeah, this is not looking good for the long term for a lot of people, including you watching this right now, because in case you ain't here, essentially it was announced sometime last year that once 2023 was up, one of the most popular physical media distribution centers, or you know, stores if you want to call them, whatever, uh, Best Buy, we're going to end releasing releasing and distributing and selling physical media meaning you won't be able to buy blu-rays you won't be able to buy dvds essentially it is over with for that i think it was what five years ago maybe six years ago now that they had stopped the distribution of selling cds and now they took it a step further and they're no longer selling dvds and blu-rays and you're probably thinking like okay what well, what's the big deal man i have my netflix i got my crunchy roll for my anime i got hbo max or just max now whatever the heck you want to call it uh you know i got my streaming services who needs physical media anymore well you're in for a rude awakening in the future buddy because this is a long chain reaction of stuff that is going to negatively impact all of us including you uh let's read this article first and then i'll give you guys a better demonstration of exactly how bad this really is for you down the road Best Buy begins removing DVD and Blu-rays from stores. It is officially the end of an era. According to Discussing Film, Best Buy has begun removing all physical media and displays from their stores. This includes Blu-rays and DVDs of TV shows and movies, though the stores are reportedly going to continue to sell physical video games both online and in stores. So they're still not quite done with video games just yet that's next give it a few more years additional details about the removal of physical media from best buy stores was not available the removal of physical media from best buy comes after it was confirmed last october that the retailer was planning to phase out selling physical media both in store and online at the time the retailer indicated that the change would give them quote-unquote more space and opportunity to bring customers new and innovative tech to state the obvious, the way we watch movies and TVs is much different today than it was decades ago, said an official Best Buy spokesperson at the time. Making this change gives us more space and opportunity to bring customers new and innovative tech for them to explore, discover, and enjoy. It was previously reported that the change to no longer sell physical media would roll out in early 2024, so it's not clear if this change that is happening company-wide all at once or in waves. As of mid-2023, Best Buy was operating 1,129 store locations across the world, with 900 169 of them located in the USA. It's also worth noting that the company isn't just removing physical media from its physical brick and mortar stores. They will stop selling physical media online as well. As of this article's writing, several physical movies and TV shows were still available for purchase on the Best Buy website. In recent months, physical media has started seeing something of a resurgence in popularity, thanks in part to various streaming platforms removing films and TV series and leaving fans with no other options to watch once they are removed unless they exist on physical media. It's currently unclear how Best Buy's ceasing sales of physical media will impact that trend or if fans will just look to other retailers to meet the need. Now, let's be very, very clear. This is a bad situation. This isn't good by any means. This isn't something to just scoff off because we have streaming services for one one reason alone, streaming services are rapidly increasing in prices. Pretty soon, they are going to be astronomical to the point of not being able to grab all of the streaming services that you want. Right now, you still you know, can get by with getting most of the streaming services you want without it being too costly. You could get you a Netflix, you could get you a Crunchyroll, you could get you a good chunk of the streaming services that you like, but the prices are increasing. On top of the fact that 
you know, movies and TV shows get removed from these streaming services all the time. Y'all already know that in case you don't, that's a thing. You know, if Dragon Ball Z is available on Netflix, it never was. But just an example, uh, when they remove it from Netflix, where do you go to watch it? You know, then on top of all of that, they've slowly but surely been implementing that ads. You know, the one big selling point of, yo, I could just watch on Netflix or I could watch and I don't got to watch commercials no more. Cable is over. You know, we was trying to escape cable. Cable TV had a grip and a hold on people for decades of like, yo, dog, you know, cable TV, you watch when they tell you what what's coming. You watch it with commercials. People were sick of commercials and they were like, yo, this is a, a way out of having to watch commercials. Let's all go to the streaming services. So now you got prices that continuously increase. I think last year alone, I remember reporting on Forever News like three or four different times that netflix increased their prices added ad supporting things and like in general had just continued to skyrocket you combine all of those you add in the commercials and we're literally headed towards cable on top of the fact that again shows movies all of that jazz gets removed from these streaming services and if they're not available to purchase on physical media the only thing left that's going to be available is of course piracy which people don't really pirate like they did even 10 years ago like i know piracy still exists i know people do it but it's not as common and you know the the government can start with their cease and desist letters and all that jazz that they were doing back when piracy was very rampant i mean i'm sure they still kind of do it if you're pirating heavy or whatnot but point being is that we're going to be in a bad situation because best buy is one of the largest chains that sell or used to at this point sell movies and 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 tv shows dvds and blu-rays now granted I'll admit that they did bamboozle us. They, they pulled the, uh, the wool over our eyes for a hot minute now because it made us feel like there's no value anymore to buying a DVD or a Blu-ray because I could just go home and stream it on Netflix. But the thing about it is, is right now it might be affordable to have your Netflix and all the other streaming services, but... In another few years, once these prices continue to skyrocket, that might not be a viable option. You might have to choose, do I want Netflix or Crunchyroll? Do I want this one or that one? And that's where things is going to get very hectic, and that's where fans are going to be the ones that lose. Now, granted, there's still other, obviously, distributors that you could get your hands on, physical media. But for crying out loud, as anime and manga fans, we lost RightStuff.com just a few months back. And if you don't know about RightStuff.com, that was like the number one place to get anime, manga, merchandise, all of that jazz. And they're gone. They got swallowed up into Crunchyroll's whole thing. Crunchyroll bought them out. Like, little by little, physical media leaving is going to lead to where there's just going to be shows and movies that you're just never going to be able to watch. Period. Like, you'll never be able to watch them because they're not available on streaming services. They're not available to buy. You know, if you're a pirate, then hey, maybe you'll be able to sail the seven seas. But if they crack down on that... It's going to be really, really ugly within the next few years if this continues to persist because let's just say Walmart joins in on it. If Walmart joins in on it, then it's really over for physical media. Like Walmart is one of the last standing hopes for Blu-rays and DVDs. Like, yo, you can still go to Walmart and get you some blue. Once they are like, yo, we're done, then it's really over. Thankfully, Walmart to this day even still sells CDs. So... I don't see Walmart joining in on Best Buy's BS, but Best Buy, hands down, you take a massive L starting 2024. You are taking the biggest and fattest L ever for doing this. You are going to regret this because you can put all the fancy tech you want. But remember, tech opposed to a $20 Blu-ray, tech is going to be, you know, depending on the level of tech or whatnot, it's going to be a little bit more pricier. You're not going to have people running in droves to buy expensive tech as you are going to have if you was to just get a little bit more creative with selling your Blu-rays and DVDs. But unfortunately, you decided to cave in and especially considering 
seemingly there's been a resurgence of people buying physical media, you're going to just take the massive L. Like, y'all going to see for people that are supportive of this and saying, yeah, DVDs and Blu-rays have played out. Nobody buys them no more. In the next few years, you're going to understand why you are severely wrong about this one. And we're all going to pay the price for it. Thankfully, me, I have a decent collection of anime uh, Blu-rays and DVDs. So I'm going to be aight for the most part. But even still, down the road, there's a bunch of movies and TV shows that I would love to watch and own and all that jazz. And it's going to be a lot more complicated and the next generations like yo gen z or whatever comes after gen z i guess is gonna be like what the heck is a blu-ray what the heck is a dvd what the heck is physical media so we're definitely headed down a dangerous slope and i wanted to bring this to you guys' attention if you were or are or been thinking about going and picking up physical media i would encourage you to do so because owning those things you have them forever as long as you have a blu-ray dvd player that blu-ray dvd you can play it if you don't have it you're gonna be at the mercy of these streaming services and your favorite tv shows your favorite movies or stuff that you never even thought you would want to watch are not going to be at your fingertips no longer and you're going to be screwed so again i highly encourage you go buy go support go show these imbeciles that no physical media is still very much so wanted in fact there's still multiple ways i I don't understand why they never utilized and i say this all the time and people look at me like i'm silly but flash drives like you don't want to sell blu-rays and dvds for whatever reason put the movies and dvds on little flash drives and little cases and sell movies that way problem solved you know start making blu-ray devices that is just strictly a usb thing you plug in boom you watch your movie like voila but unfortunately again it seems as though these massive tech companies that are you know with the streaming services are playing a very very smart game they're they're very wise at it because they have us believing that owning it It's not as valuable as paying every single month for the rest of our lives to their services to watch it. When you pay one time for the movie you want, then you've got it forever. You can rewatch it. You can give it to your kids. You 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 never know. It could grow in value, and you could sell it down the road. million and one things you can do about it. But no, it's more valuable to pay them every month forever. And they got us. They got us. We got to fight back, though. We got to fight back because this is wrong. And Best Buy, once again, massive L for you. Just horrible all around. Moving forward, I know I said we'd get a little bit happier as we go through the episode. But we're not quite there yet because we have a very uh, weird story. And it's kind of in the same vein of a story we reported on in one of the last episodes of Forever News. And that's that uh, anime fans are bugging out. Anime fans, some anime fans, not all, are taking things too far. We spoke about, I, I think it was either the last episode or the previous episode, the fact that there was an anime fan that was stalking the actress that plays Sakura in the live-action Naruto. Uh, there was a big thing there. Unfortunately, police couldn't really get the evidence they needed to go after dude, but he was terrorizing her throughout a convention. Prior to that, we had people sending death threats and saying all sorts of vulgar and horrible things about the author of the Naruto Retsuden novels like there's been a lot of these anime fans that are taking things too far now we have another case of this because apparently an attack on titan stalker has been arrested over threats against mikasa's actress hey at least they got this guy you know what i'm saying the the person sending threats to the naruto novelist didn't really nothing happen you know can't catch him dude that was stalking sakura actress at the convention they said there wasn't enough evidence they got this one though after being harassed by a stalker attack on titan star yui ishikawa is now 
breathing easier. New reports from Japan have confirmed the man who sent Mikasa's voice actor threats has been arrested. Police were involved earlier in 2023 after Ishikawa received an anonymous threat on social media against her life. Over in Japan, the site Gigi confirmed Ishikawa's stalker was arrested well before Christmas. Police detained Fukuda Kishimoto from Kyoto and charged... Oh, oh my god. Kishimoto. No! Kishimoto! Not to be confused with Masashi Kishimoto, the creator of Naruto, or his twin brother, the creator of 666 Satan, Seishi Kishimoto. No, this is just a different dude with <laughs> the same name. Oh god, I hope he's not related to Kishimoto, please. But Fukuda Kishimoto from Kyoto was charged. He's a 25-year-old man, and he was charged with intimidation. Is that the only charge you get for, for stalking somebody? Intimidation? Uh, the report says Kishimoto confessed to the charge, so we're sure Ishikawa's feeling a bit safer this new year. And that that's always a brilliant thing that takes me back to case clothes and uh, you know just it's a statement on Japanese society in general that they recognize that the system is going to 110% convict them so 9 times out of 10 you get these dramatic confessions at the end of every episode of case clothes and it seems to be homie thought he was in case clothes because he just said yes I did it she didn't show me any love baka for those unfamiliar with the situation Ishikawa's ordeal was kept quiet as police did work behind the scenes last year so this has been going on for a little bit the voice actors agency contacted authorities after they found a threat posted online against Ishikawa. I'll stop her with a and Kishimoto wrote back in November. And sadly, this is not the first time Kishimoto has been involved with online harassment. God damn it, you're ruining the good name of Kishimoto. What are you doing? According to Gigi, the suspect was fined nearly 4,000 US dollars in 2020 for threatening to kill an anime director. It seems Kishimoto did not learn from that ordeal as he went on to threaten Ishikawa just a few months ago. At this point, no sentence has been handed down in this latest case. Kishimoto could be handed another fine or receive jail time given this repeat offense. As for Ishikawa, fans are hoping the Attack on Titan star can go into 2024 with their head held high. Following the finale of Attack on Titan, the actress is keeping busy. Ishikawa stars in the Apothecaries as well as Undead Luck. Soon she will voice the main character in Dr. Elise, so it seems this year is poised to put Ishikawa back in the spotlight. And of course, if you're not caught up on Attack on Titan, you could watch it, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, scary, scary times. I don't know what's going on with anime and manga fans. Like in the last couple of years, it's like they're getting desperate, like celebrity obsession type of things. Like I've seen some of the stuff in, you know, the U.S. in terms of like with regular celebrities and stuff like that of, you know, actors and actresses, people like I think it was a year or two ago, somebody broke into Eminem's house. It was like a real life stand situation. He was like on meth and all sorts of crazy stuff. So like I've seen stuff like that, but now anime and manga fans are giving us even more of a bad name like anime manga fans already got a bad name okay we we've had a, a stigma attached for many of many years you know they all of the thing i'm about to go down the road like yo y'all stink y'all now like but yo now y'all taking it a step further and putting a massive stain on anime and manga fandom with dudes like this and not only that his name is kishimoto like kishimoto please Come on, son. What are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, say all that to say that don't stalk or threaten or harass anybody. <laughs> Let alone if you're an anime manga fan, just ch chill out, bro. You're making us look bad. You're, you're doing horrible things. And now this guy, I'm sure, is going to be dealt with accordingly. And in general, we've seen three cases now. I hope this does not become a trend because little by little, I'm seeing it a little more frequently happening. A little more, a little more. Like even back to, I remember 2016, the actress that plays Hinata's voice uh, had a stalker and a harasser as well so i don't want to see more of this i want to see less of this in fact if we don't get any more of this going through 2024 i will be a very very happy camper but yeah just thought i'd 
report on this. Uh, salute to the actress that played Mikasa. It's like, you know, she got free from Attack on Titan, and now Titans are attacking her in the real. What's going on here? Okay, that was a terrible joke. Either way, next story. Come on. Come on. Come on, Tim. Let's go. Next story, I ain't gonna lie. This one, it really was kind of interesting to me. I don't want to say shocking because I'm not the biggest fan of this author, per se. I've always had respect for this author, but we got a manga author retiring after a very long run, and it's a little bit shocking, but at the same time, I don't want to say completely shocking because this author's been going for a long time, uh, but it says here, Yoichi Takahashi, mangaka of Captain Tsubasa, is officially retiring from drawing after 43 years of of career. Both Captain Tsubasa Rising Sun and Captain Tsubasa Memories will end in upcoming Captain Tsubasa Magazine issue number 20 out in April 2024. So yo, Captain Tsubasa has had his own magazine going on. Takahashi revealed the decision for his retirement has come after multiple health issues over the years. He's also revealed he'll keep working on scripts for multiple adaptations of the series to reach the stages he had planned to draw. And he actually left a letter behind. We'll jump into it. I now plan to end a long journey and head off on a new and ultimate journey. Announcement of the end of serialized publication. Thank you for always following and reading Captain Tsubasa and Captain Tsubasa magazine. It is with a sudden announcement that I inform you that the latest chapters of Captain Tsubasa Rising Sun, the final, as well as Captain Tsubasa Memory's strongest Meiwa FC legend will appear in the next Captain Tsubasa magazine. Captain Tsubasa magazine will also come to an end with the next volume 20. And myself, I intend to retire from the front line of manga creation. I've been thinking about my exit as a mangaka for the past few years. When I started the Captain Tsubasa Tsubasa Golden 23 series, I vaguely thought it might be time to end my career as mangaka because of my age when I finished this Olympic arc. However, I decided to retire before completing this Olympic arc. But in announcing this, I don't want readers who have enjoyed Captain Tsubasa for many years to have any unnecessary worries or speculations. I'll explain honestly why I've come to this conclusion. Declining health and changing creative environment. In 1981, I started publishing Captain Tsubasa and Weekly Shonen Jump. For many years, despite a few interruptions for other work, I wasn't seriously ill and I think I'm still in good health today. However, as I continue to write manga, the manifestation of my age-related decline in physical condition became inevitable. The speed at which I draw has also slowed considerably. Whereas in my youth, I could easily manage a weekly series of around 80 pages a month. Now I struggle with a fort nightly series of around 50 pages a month which 50 pages a month is still great considering there's a lot of authors that i mean you know salute to tabata but hope he had three months and, and handed in 28 pages for black clover i'm i'm just saying but no no shade to tabata just giving a little comparison this man is way older than tabata what's more my eyesight has deteriorated and has become difficult to focus even when drawing lines on the paper i've also begun to suffer from vertigo of unknown origin the diagnosis was a suspicion of benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, a condition where vertigo occurs when the position of the head is altered. So when I'm sitting at my desk drawing, leaning forward after finishing a writing session, when I straighten up, I feel dizzy and I may even lose balance when I stand up. Unfortunately, my body has aged considerably since I was 20. Also, the recent digital transformation has had various impacts on my work. For example, the screen tones I used for decades have been abandoned in production, having to be replaced, making screen creation difficult. What's more, writing staff assistants have been reduced. The 
number of people mastering analog drawing techniques is dwindling, while the new generation is increasingly specializing in digital creation. Since my early days, I've always drawn using analog methods, so at my age, it was essential for me to switch to digital methods. I absolutely wanted to keep my analog drawing style. On the other hand, the world of manga is rapidly moving towards digitalization, and with this trend, it's foreseeable that pens, ink, and even paper will become hard to come by. What's more, with the gradual aging of the entire writing staff, including myself, we can anticipate an even greater slowdown in the pace of writing. The epidemic. The spread of the coronavirus infection took place and a state of emergency was declared in Tokyo, where my workplace is located April 2020, just when Captain Tsubasa magazine started. Normally, manga drawing involves a staff gathering in one room and working intensively on backgrounds, etc. However, due to measures such as social distancing, it was no longer possible to work in the usual setting. I had to give instructions on the drawing sheets once the work of the inking the characters was finished and then divide them amongst the staff to take home and work on. Once the work was done, everyone would have to deliver them and the final touches would be made. There was no choice, but this way of working caused a considerable delay in the pace of writing. However, when juggling with the schedule, when I continued to draw manuscripts from Captain Tsubasa magazine, I was commissioned to draw a special series for the 10th anniversary of the creation of Grand Jump and had to draw Boku wa Misaki Taro 2. The number of pages was around 40. I used to draw around 100 pages per issue for Captain Tsubasa magazine, so a total of 140 pages in about two months. When I put, God damn, this dude is a monster. When I published in Weekly Shonen Jump or Weekly Young Jump, I produced around 80 pages a month, a total of 160 pages in two months. Even though we were in the middle of a pandemic, I thought if I pushed myself a bit, I could get through it in time. However, in reality, this was not possible at all. As a result, I had to take a break from publishing Captain Tsubasa magazine. At that point, I once again felt that my health was deteriorating, and that with age, the time would come when 40 or even 30 pages a month would become my limit. During this month-long break from Captain Tsubasa magazine, I took a little over a month to finish 40 pages of Boku wa Taro Misaki 2, I decided to devote this time to working on the draft of Captain Tsubasa Rising Sun. In fact, it was the end of this period that I made my decision. Two paths, one choice. About two years had passed since the COVID pandemic and the situation seemed to be beginning to stabilize a little bit. It was then that the death of Mr. Mizushima Shinji, an author I greatly admired and who had been my role model since I was a teenager, he had inspired me to become a mangaka, occurred at the age of 82. Having already formed a friendship with him through amateur basketball, I thought he'd be fit even at over 90 because of this incredible vitality, so I was very shocked. This news made me think about my life as a mangaka. Indeed, Mr. Mizushima had announced his retirement about a year before his death. I thought about whether I should continue to draw as a mangaka to my physical limits, like Mr. Mizushima, or whether I should consider something else. I've also been thinking about how far I could go with Captain Tsubasa, as I'm currently publishing Captain Tsubasa Rising Sun and Captain Tsubasa Memories is a short-lived spinoff, so it might be easier to manage. On the other hand, Captain Tsubasa Rising Sun, which I've been publishing since the end of 2013, was at the quarterfinal stage against Germany at the time. To complete the plans I had in mind, the conclusion of the quarterfinals and semifinals and the final of the Olympia arc and to make them as exciting as the game against Germany, it would probably take 10 years. The game against Germany took me 3 years to draw. No, given probably slower pace of my production in the future, maybe 12 years, and considering the stories I'd like to add as I go along, that would take even longer. Would the end of Olympic arc be 15 years from now? By then I'd be over 70. Could I really finish it? Answering my own questions, I didn't have the absolute confidence to say I could do it. Every time I heard about the depths of manga authors such as Mr. Mizushima, I realized that I had no guaranteeing of being able to test in my current situation for many years to come. If I die without completing the Olympic arc, it would surely leave me with a great deal of regret. On the other hand, at the moment, I have a general idea of 
up to the final chapter of Captain Tsubasa. This includes the series following the Olympic arc of Rising Sun. If I were to continue drawing until the conclusion, it might take another 15 years or even 30 years. I'd be well over 100. This would probably be unfeasible, which is why with this thought in mind, I started Next Dream after Rising Sun, which can't be drawn in a manga, but which people can enjoy in the K-Lab game. However, if I concentrated solely on creating the script during this month and a half of praise, I might be able to do it. The draft of the screenplay being created wouldn't be published until a year later if I drew it at my usual pace. At that point, I asked myself, does this mean that if I devoted myself totally to creating the script for a month and a half, I could create enough material for a year's worth of manga? In that case, if I devoted a whole year to creating only scripts, I could create stories up to 12 years later. This would allow readers to discover the outcome of the Olympic arc the following year. By then, I'd be 64. Yo, th- I'm reading all of this, and I'm going to keep it real with you, and we'll finish reading it, but this man's dedication to manga is unreal, that he's planning his life, decades of his life, according to writing his story. Like, he loves his, his work. No denying that. Even the scenario for the Captain Tsubasa next dream arc could be imagined. What's more, I figured I could even potentially create the scenario for the next arc, Captain Tsubasa World Cup. Even as a draft, if I left a story behind me, perhaps in the future with the advance of technology, a robot could create a Captain Tsubasa manga based on a scenario. After my death, another manga come I draw it based on this draft. My god, he's planning his manga after his death. He's planning decades ahead, lifetimes ahead. What the hell? What's more, it could even be adapted into an anime. As an author, having the entire Captain Tsubasa series adapted to an anime is also one of my wishes. And if all the stories up until Tsubasa lifts the World Cup are adapted to an anime, that would be something extraordinary. I have to choose one of these two paths. Should I, like the respective Mr. Mizushima, continue drawing manga to my physical limits until the end of the series? Or should I stop the Captain Tsubasa series now and leave this story behind me until the planned final episode? Which way should I go? Considering the time I have left to live, I felt the need to make this decision now. In the end, I chose the second path. Choosing between the two was not an easy decision. Like Keisuke Honda, a former player on the Japanese national soccer team, I also have another version of myself, little Yoichi Takahashi in my mind. During my 43 years as a mangaka, in my moments of doubt, he soothed and encouraged me. Manga artist Yoichi Takahashi isn't going to end like this. You can still draw interesting manga. Prove it to the world with the next manga you draw. That's how he encouraged me. When I made the decision this time, I wondered if I was bored of drawing manga, if I was a little discouraged, and I asked him i'm thinking of quitting being a manga what do you think no you can still do it you better fight now draw more for the readers maybe i was expecting an answer like that but his response this time was if that's the decision you've made that's fine you've been drawing for 43 years that's how he answered my doubts disappeared after he convinced me i made the decision while this may disappoint and sadden those who are eagerly awaiting the publication of captain subasa i hope they won't hold it against me in addition i have discussed how i might present the captain subasa story to you in the future with the publishers at shueisha and i hope to be able to announce this after the publication of the last issue number 20 of captain subasa magazine i'll now be concentrating on creating the conclusion of captain subasa rising sun the final and captain subasa memories 4 thank you for your patience the final issue captain subasa magazine volume 20 is due out in early April 2024, Yoichi Takahashi. And I mean, it's a wild thing. I 110% respect it. Uh, After a certain point, every road must come to an end and you must make the tough call. Uh, Clearly, he made his and I... I respect the man, man. Like, just reading that whole thing, if you stuck with me through reading that whole thing, man basically was saying, you know, he he was fighting with himself. There was a part of him that was planning 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. I'm working on the story to his death, after his death, authors taking over and whatnot. And he said, yo, 
that's one side of me. But then there's another side that is like, yo, dog, you did 43 years of this. You you put a lot of time into this. Maybe it is time. If that's what you want to do, let's let's leave it alone already. And yeah, I hope all Captain Subasa fans out there respect his decision and give him a round of applause for uh, the work that he's put in and the mindset that he had. And just in general, it's it's a, a beautiful thing, in my opinion, that he's stepping away. I don't. I hope he doesn't walk away from this with any type of regret. You gave 43 years of your life to this story. It's time you rest up, homie. Don't go out like any of these other authors if that's not where your mind is at this point and you want to step away. Yeah, salute to homie. Moving forward, we got a bunch of stories in the world of One Piece, so let's jump in and read. Live action One Piece series earns nomination by Makeup Artist and Hairstylist Guild. The Makeup Artist and Hairstylist Guild revealed on Tuesday that Netflix live action adaptation of Ichiro Oda's One Piece manga has been nominated for Best Hairstyling in the Children and Teen TV Programming category for the 11th Annual Moaz Awards. Amanda Ross McDonald, Vera Alimanova, Odette Rebeck, and Ermine Kirstein Venter are credited for the nomination. In 2018, the live-action Ghost in the Shell film was nominated for the Best Contemporary Makeup Award. That's dope that uh, the people behind the scenes is getting a little love because, you know, everybody always praises the directors, the producers, the actors. Nobody ever really looks behind and be like, yo, what about the people in the shadows, so to speak? What about, yeah, the makeup artists? What about the, the prop designer? Where, where do they get their accolades when they're the ones that are putting blood and sweat and tears in as well? Not just the people in front of the camera. What about the people behind the camera? So salute to this award ceremony, giving them a little bit of love because they definitely deserve it. And shout outs again to uh, the One Piece Live Action. Y'all proved me wrong in terms of, y'all proved the world wrong, in fact, of, yo, live action, animated live action can be done. It just needs to be done with love, care, and yeah, uh, salute to the whole entire cast, Inaki, uh, Emily Rudd. Yo, they definitely deserve because Emily Rudd was looking like a thousand out of ten in that series. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Next in the world of, I guess, H.R. Oda, not necessarily One Piece, Monsters director teases the anime's 2024 launch. If you don't know what Monsters is, uh, this anime will be based off of a one shot that Ichiro Oda creator of One Piece did many years ago before he did One Piece they're making an anime out of it now and apparently the director is teasing the launch Ichiro Oda's original Monsters one shot is getting its own adaptation in 2024 and the director behind the new anime shared a new tease for the project's premiere this month Ichiro Oda is now one of the most well known manga creators in the world thanks to the massive success of One Piece over the last two decades but the creator shared a few cool one shot manga releases before One Piece became a reality. One of those one-shots, Monsters, ended up becoming a part of the official One Piece canon much later and even ties to Roronoro Zoro and the Wano Country arc years later. Along with many of the new One Piece projects coming down the pipeline this year, Oda's Monsters is getting its own anime special released later this month with Netflix. Director Sung-Hoo Park, who did The God of High School and JJK Season 1, which, hang on a lie, The God of High School and JJK Season 1, as far as animation and art, they were 10. Jujutsu Kaisen animation, art, story, everything was 10. Got a high school story-wise. Eh, hopefully it's more like JJK unless I got a high school in terms of that scenario. We're rushing the story. Uh, Hypes has worked with the new, even though it's just a one-shot, so it should be fine. Hypes has worked with the new anime as part of a special message to kick off the new year. Celebrating the year of the dragon in 2024. You can check out some special new, oh, it's the year of the dragon. 
interesting. You can check out some special new visuals for Monsters 103, Mercy's Dragon, Damnation below, along with Parks' message. Thanks to many connections, I was able to work on Mr. Oda's work as a director. Now that I think about it, it's been more than 10 years since the day I participated in One Piece Film Z. Yo, he was a part of Film Z, the greatest One Piece movie of all time. Ah! I've gained a lot of experience and I'm here today. I feel deeply moved and humbled. I put my love and appreciation for the work into this film, so I hope that many people can enjoy it. First written by One Piece series creator Ichiro Oda in 1994, before One Piece was ever conceived, Monsters features a swordsman named Ryuma who ends up defending a town by taking down a massive dragon. Sung Hoo Park will be directing Monsters 103 Mercy's Dragon Damnation for E&H production. The new anime special will be releasing around the world exclusively with Netflix sometime later this month, but has yet to confirm a concrete release date as of the time of this writing, so it won't be too long before we get to see how this classic one-shot story comes to life. I definitely would like to talk about that one if it's good. Uh, and yeah, I can't freaking wait for it. It sounds like we got a really, really dope director attached to it. He worked on Film Z. He worked on JJK Season 1. He worked on The God of High School, for better or worse, because God of High School has some you know, highs and many, many lows. And next in the world of One Piece, we got One Piece creator ushers in 2024 with a special letter. The new year is upon us, and that means big things are on the horizon for One Piece. It will put things lightly to call 2023 a landmark for the hit series. Yo, 2023 and One Piece was amazing. From its anime to its manga, live action pursuit, One Piece is on a high. Now 2024 is around the corner. Well, it's here. And artist Eichiroto is breaking down his plans for the new year. The update comes from two recent posts by Oda taken to social media. The creator posted one 2024 teaser today as Japan has already welcomed in the new year. The other stems from Jump Festa earlier in the month. Oda inked a sketch to hype the next year. One Piece says, Happy New Year's everyone. My resolution this year is to eat lots of barbecue and draw exciting things in One Piece. 2024 is the 25th anniversary year of the anime. We will raise the excitement like a rising dragon. Thank you for the support again this year. Oh, it makes sense why they dropped that Godzilla film. Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. As you can see, Oda's note to fans is nothing if not casual. The artist's been working on One Piece for decades now, and his fervor for Straw Hat Crew is just as intense. With the series reaching new heights in 2023, Oda says One Piece is poised for even bigger heights in 2024. After all, the anime will turn 25 years old next year, so you can bet Toy Animation will hype the event big time. So yeah, just Oda saying, yo, One Piece gonna be sick this year, dog, and I'm eating good. Maybe that's a metaphor. Maybe it's a double entendre right there. He's like, yo, dog, I'm getting barbed. I'm eating, you know what I'm saying? I'm eating good. Yeah. <laughs> then we got a couple of other little small tidbits I thought were pretty interesting. For starters, Oda's first editor, Asada, from 1997 and 2001, left Oda's manuscript in a shop by mistake. His company has a rule. Editors instantly get fired if they lose manga manuscripts. He hurried to the shop and luckily found it. He recalled in 2017, it was the worst mistake he ever made. Jeez, I would have been... Oh my god, I would have been sweating bullets. I know that. I would have been probably crying and everything. No, I, I ruined my whole life. <laughs> nah, nah. I would have been brave about it, dog. I would have been like, yo, it's going to be right there when I get there. Watch. Bet. And another one, editor Naito was asked by his girlfriend from school days, you are now One Piece editor. Tell me what the One Piece as a treasure is. When he refused, she blocked him on a message app. What a terrible woman, he said on a talk show in 2017. That is funny as hell. Yo, tell me what the One Piece is, honey. Nah, I can't do that. Bet. Say less. You blocked. 
Like, maybe that's the whole reason why she dated him in the first place, just to find out what the One Piece was. Imagine. Then we got one more. When editor Kawashima met Oda for the first time, Oda told him, be prepared to die for One Piece. Kawashima was shocked, but was impressed at how Oda's dedicated to his work. Oda added, if you destroy your health due to overwork, I'll take care of your family financially. Which, I think I reported on this many, many moons ago, but it's always fascinating to hear some of these stories from editors of One Piece and their interactions with Oda, their interactions with the story, and just in general, everything that they went through, you know, crafting and whatnot. Especially homie that left the manuscript And shorty that ditched him and blocked him For not telling her what the One Piece is Like yo, savage Moving forward, we got an update on the Yu Yu Hakusho live action success. Netflix's Yu Yu Hakusho breaks major viewership record. Yu Yu Hakusho's live action series made its debut at Netflix in December, and the series is already breaking major viewership records with the streaming service in just its first two weeks. The show not only took the top spot in Netflix's top 10 non-English TV shows for the week of its debut with 7.7 million views, but according to Netflix, it also secured the second spot across both English and non-English categories, establishing it as the biggest debut of a Japanese series ever. The the series also ranked in the top 10 across 92 countries and regions worldwide with the likes of Japan, the United States, Canada, France, Germany, and more. As of this writing, Hakusho Show manages to keep its number one spot in its second week with 6.2 million views and 36.1 million hours watched. I'm telling you, with stuff like this, it's definitely going to push now. Oh, I think we got the green light. They're starting to like the live actions of anime. Uh, l- let's go for it. And I'm going to tell you a couple of things right here. I think that there's a reason why also these live actions are working. Aside from, you know, they definitely have put a lot more heart into these things. I think also a lot of people that loved anime and manga, even 5, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, probably aren't reading and watching anime and manga anymore. Like, it's the sad reality. Yo, some people fall out of it. Some people, they just, they're not down for it for the rest of their lives or they get distracted with other stuff and forget about it or whatnot and then they're on netflix and they see wait there's a live action of one of my favorite anime i used to watch back in the day i gotta check it out and because they really don't remember too much of it or they're just happy in general to interact with something from their childhood or something from happier times or just something that they once loved they are going to fall they're going to fall for it. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily a bad thing or the product is bad, but they're going to be very excited about this thing regardless because it takes them back to a maybe a more innocent time, a more happier time, whatever the case may be. And that's probably also a reason why maybe some of these live actions are starting to pop off like the One Piece and the Yu Yu Show because people are like, yo, I used to love One Piece. Oh my God, I used to love Hakusho. Show. They got a live action. I don't know. Let's see. And then they check it out and they love it. But again, salute to Yu Yu Show. Moving forward, we got a very interesting article regarding Bleach and the creator Taite Kubo. Bleach creator has been keeping a secret from Ichigo. What? Bleach Thousand Year Blood War is slated to return in 2024 as the Wanden Rake continues to attempt to destroy the Soul Society. Thanks to the Shinigami's return, creator Taite Kubo has been thrust into the spotlight and is more happy to reveal new secrets from the supernatural shonen series he created. In a shocking new revelation, it seems that Kubo has been keeping something a secret from Ichigo Kurosaki for quite some time when it comes to his role as a substitute Soul Reaper. What could that secret be, my lord? When we last left Ichigo and his human allies, they had managed to make their way to the location of the Soul King right as Yawatch had done the same, taking down several members of the Soul Society's Royal Guard. Yawatch is aiming to claim the power for himself that will make him even more powerful than he is at present. Thanks to reclaiming the energy that he allowed his underlings to borrow as a part of the assault on the Soul Reapers, the head of the Stern Ritter brought the recent second core to a close by gaining a major boost. Studio Piro is aiming to return to Bleach this year, but it will be interesting if Konoha is in their sights as well. 
what? I'm not sure what the fuck. They, Konoha, what? What Konoha got to do with this? Ichigo does not get paid. In a recent question and answer session, Kubo revealed that Ichigo is entitled to compensation as a substitute Soul Reaper, but is not aware that he has money coming his way. Throughout Bleach's history, Kurosaki has basically been fighting against supernatural threats to save his friends and the world at large. While the permanent members of Soul Society receive pay, is a question as to whether or not Kurosaki will ever make money. Here's the official breakdown from Kubo on the matter. There is no reward in the beginning. After receiving the proxy certificate, the reward will be deposited into the Serate account. Ichigo hasn't been told that though. So essentially, they are slaving Ichigo and he's not working for free. Yo, imagine they try to cancel Bleach for that. Yo, Titan Kubo did. <laughs> but honestly, it's kind of weird. Like, okay, whatever he is receiving financially, is it real money? Can he use it in the real world? Or is this money that he can only spend whenever he dies and goes to the Soul Society? They'd be like, yo, dog, there's an account right here for you. You made mad bread. You good. You can live in a palace. Or like, how does that work? I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, is the money invisible? Be like, oh, word, let me get that. I got a few bands right here. Go to the store and they'd be like, sir, there is nothing in your hand. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> cool trivia tidbit I guess from Kubo but very strange and odd and probably the reason why he doesn't address it like that's something that maybe I could see him addressing in like a little comedy skit you know how they have the characters laughing and joking at the end of the episodes maybe something in that ballpark because other than that it's like huh doesn't doesn't make much sense does it and in light of speaking about Bleach we also have a story about Burn the Witch the spinoff loosely tied into the Soul Society's story or whatnot. Uh, Burn the Witch sneaks in Sailor Moon Easter Egg. Burn the Witch has finally come back with a new anime adaptation and it added to the fun by sneaking in a shout out to another famous anime Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. Bleach series creator Taite Kubo returned to the pages of Shueisha's Weekly Shonen Jump magazine with a brand new one shot that introduced a new world where witches fought against dragons. This one shot was such a hit that Shueisha brought Kubo back for a four chapter limited series fleshing out the idea even further and this limited series got a full feature film anime adaptation that released at the same time burn the witch has come back to screens with a new anime special adapting kubo's original one shot so burn the witch point eight serves as a prequel to the events of that first anime movie this new anime not only shows off more of nini and noel before the events of the first movie but also sneaks in some fun shout outs to other big franchises as well one of those fun easter eggs is a reference to sailor moon anime theme song as it plays noel's ringtone for nini Noelle has the Dragon Ball theme song when Billy Banks Jr. calls her. Noelle also has Sailor Moon theme song as her ringtone for Nini. Okay, so she has like, there's a Dragon Ball reference and a, a Sailor Moon reference. Burn the Witch Point 8 adapts the one shot set before Kubo's official four chapter limited series. And you can find it on now streaming with Crunch. Wow. I, I'll be honest with you. They didn't do a great job of marketing it this time around because I had no idea that the new Burn the Witch anime was out. I'm going to watch that probably tonight. Wow. And for those that didn't know, hey, there's more Burn the Witch anime out there. Yeah, it's a prequel. It's based off of the first one shot. It features Tatsuro Kawano returning from the first anime to direct a new project for Studio Colorido. It runs for a single episode's length and has a returning voice cast of Asami Tano as Nini Spranko, Yuina Yamada as Noel Nihashi, Shimba Tsuchiya as Balgo Parks, Hiroaki Hirata as Chief and Rei Hika as Osushi-chan. If you wanted to check out the original Burn the Witch manga instead, you could of course go read it. Uh, but yeah, so the new episode is out and there's a nod to Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon in it. I ain't gonna lie, they they didn't really push this one like they did. Like the first time around, they made it a massive deal. Like, oh my god, Kubo's back with a new work. There's four episodes or a movie, depending on how, you know, where you saw it at and whatnot. You could watch this right now. It's great. There was promo everywhere. I didn't see a lick of promo for this one. So 
there's that. Moving forward, Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Super Artist re-examines an old Ultra Instinct theory. Dragon Ball has a busy year ahead of it. If you didn't know, the franchise is set to return to TV this year with a new show called Dragon Ball Daima. Of course, the series will continue in print courtesy of Dragon Ball Super, and artist Toyotaro will carry on work with Son Goku. And in a brand new interview, Toyotaro managed to stir conversation amongst fans after revisiting an Ultra Instinct theory. The whole thing went live today as Dragon Ball began, celebrating the new year. Now that 2024 is here, the official Dragon Ball webpage posted the first half of an interview with Toyotaro. It was there the artist talked about his work on the series, and he doubled down on Ultra Instinct's mastery. During the interview, Toyotaro stressed Goku mastered Ultra Instinct during his battle with Moro. Of course, this fight dates back... But wasn't it said that if he mastered Ultra Instinct, he would have surpassed Beerus? I guess they're going to Deus Ex Machina that out, right? Yeah. Of course, this fight dates back quite a bit. Moro was introduced in the Galactic Patrol Prisoner Saga, which dates back to 2018. For two years, Dragon Ball explored the saga, which pitted Goku against Moro several times. At the end of their fight, Goku was able to use Ultra Instinct against Moro at will, and Toyotaro stresses that feat exemplifies Goku's mastery. Of course, we know Goku is not down with the powerful form. In the last Dragon Ball Super Sagas, the Saiyan has pushed even further by Whis. The angel wants Goku to be able to access the full power of Mastered Ultra Instinct without undergoing a full transformation. To be truly powerful, Whis wants Goku to be able to tap into that power in his base form. And as of now, our Dragon Ball fave has yet to unlock that ability. I ain't gonna lie, yeah, that, that definitely will always rub me the wrong way that it was hinted at massively. I can't remember the dialogue. I can't remember what episode, but I always remember that there was something there hinted or said that if Goku was to master Ultra Instinct, essentially he would potentially rival or even surpass Beerus. And, you know, the whole goal of Dragon Ball Super ever since the appearance of Beerus and the gods was to surpass them. So technically, at the end of Moro, Goku already surpassed him. Granola the Survivor, he definitely passed him. And by a superhero, he should have eclipsed the living shit out of Beerus, right? But, eh, it is what it is. Moving forward, thoughts and prayers towards everybody that was affected in Japan's earthquakes. That was a very big deal that didn't get much coverage, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, there was a big earthquake over there in Japan very recently and uh, left a lot of destruction. Uh, we got an article here that says, Japan earthquakes destroy a popular manga museum. As the new year began, tragedy unfolded in Japan as the nation was rocked by earthquakes. The event impacted a number of prefectures, and now reports are coming in that a popular manga museum was sadly destroyed following the earthquakes. The Go-Nagai Wonderland Museum in Wajima City caught fire in the aftermath of the quakes, which hit the Ishikawa Prefecture two days ago. I didn't even know they had a Go-Nagai Wonderland Museum. That's, well, sad because it's gone, but that would have been fire to see. Shout-outs to Go-Nagai. The uh, devil man was freaking crazy. Thanks to the Asahi Shinbun, photos of the burnt museum were made public as Kazushige Kobayashi spotted the carnage on the scene. The photographer was doing coverage in Wajima City following the quakes when they noticed the museum had been burned down. Of course, a number of fires sprouted in the wake of Japan's latest quakes as gas lines and infrastructures were rattled. Unfortunately, the Gonagai Wonderland Museum seems to have been completely destroyed by the fire. It opened in 2009 and yeah, looking at it, Ah, uh, so sad that it got destroyed. That shit looks so cool with the mech in front of it. Ah, oh, that's so sad. Yeah, you could see they even got pictures. Not long ago, Gonagai's studio dynamic production commented on the photo. In a statement, the company said its focus is on the citizens of Wajima City and their safety. As such, dynamic production has not contacted officials about the report so authorities can serve people in need. As of the week moves forward, the guy's studio says it will release more info once it can contact officials in the area. Of course, Wajima City is one of the many areas hit hard by the Japan earthquakes and it holds a special place for fans of Go Nagai. The artist quote 
calls the city home, and Wajima City began planning a museum for Nagai in 2005. The place opened in 2009, and it features plenty of original, well, it featured original artwork and whatnot. Uh, as for ongoing disaster efforts in Japan, the country is in full mobilization. On New Year's Day, several earthquakes rocked Japan, including a 7.6 magnitude quake on its western coast. At this time, at least 60 people have been confirmed dead due to the quakes, with many more injured. So again, thoughts, prayers, and just positive vibes and love all around sent to people in Japan. Uh, very, very crappy way to start off a new year, to be honest. Okay, people, so before we continue on, I just wanted to give a shout out to my guy, Hazem Music, Hazem El Komi. He got his song back up on streaming services in case you missed it. It's called Let Go. Go check it out. Go stream it. You can hear a little snippet of it right here. Chris, play his song. Oh, Super appreciate you checking it out, but let's get back to the story, shall we? And next up on the docket, we got a little bit of stories on JoJo. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure creator addresses the JoJo Land's experimental style. Interesting, that's the new part 9 story that he's working on at the moment. Following the conclusion of Stone Ocean's anime adaptation, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has yet to hint at the next chapter that will hit the small screen. Despite this fact, creator Hirohiko Araki has been hard at work when it comes to the latest manga storyline, the JoJo Lands. I just want to stress that no matter how long it takes, I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to adapt in anime form every part of JoJo's. They're probably waiting to let Araki get part 9 a little bit you know into it so that way when it comes time to it they can adapt part 9 and probably part 9 will be the end of all of JoJo's so that's probably what's going on why they kind of slowing down a little bit we have part 6 it wrapped up they're probably waiting let Araki get a little bit more do part 7 let Araki get a little bit more do part 8 then maybe by that point Araki will wrap up part 9 and will be you know with the conclusion to all of JoJo's introducing two new Joe stars in Jodeo and Dragona the Manga siblings have already participated in some wild adventures, with Araki recently discussing how the art form known as Cubism has helped forge this new world. While the latest manga arc is going strong, having released a handful of chapters, it will be some time before we see the Jojo Lands adapted into an anime series. Should the franchise continue following its source material, the next logical chapter of the anime would be Steel Ball Run, which followed the adventures of Jolene Kujo and the characters of Stone Ocean, which I'm assuming they mean follows part, you know, comes after part six because part seven is i think is it johnny joe star i want to say uh hirohiko araki talks to jojo land style in a recent tv interview jojo's creator hirohiko araki discussed cubism and discussed how it has helped forge his own aesthetic so coincidentally unrelated to the cubism exhibition with the works from the century pompado i happen to be drawing in a cubist style for my ongoing work this is a copy of the manga that i brought with me it might be a bit small to see it's a manga page where this evil enemy attacks and this guy can transform into the sky i wanted to draw a scene with flying birds and clouds together but with a person in it while drawing something like that i thought it looked like cubism and just when i was doing that i was asked to come to today's class god works very very interestingly yo uh, araki then discussed how the latest entry in jojo's bizarre adventure manga gained some major influence from the art style known as cubism you can see the clouds and buildings i was probably a bit influenced by the style it's quite difficult to draw him blending in with the clouds really challenging i just thought it looked similar to cubism so I went with it. It wasn't really planned. It just happened to be. Now, let's take a quick look at what the heck cubism art 
style is. Let's see here. Cubism kind of looks like the glass mirrors you would see at a church in a way. That's what I get from immediately looking at it. Okay, so that's the style that, other, and I just mentioned God. Ain't that some wild stuff? But yeah, cubism. Okay, very interesting. I really would love to see more cubism in action moving forward. But yeah, it's good to hear that Araki is still going strong with JoJo's. He hasn't put down the mantle just yet and uh, expect more JoJo's to come. Everybody is waiting for part seven though. Let's be very clear. A lot of people are very excited for part seven. I've heard many, many a times that a lot of people say part seven is the best part of the entirety of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm wondering how... Uh, true is that going to hold when the anime rolls around moving forward netflix continues to hype their stuff netflix promo hypes january 2024 new anime releases netflix has some big anime releases coming this month to help kick 2024 and the streamer has shared a new promo to help hype some of the new anime coming this january 2024 is kicking off strong with some major new anime coming our way during winter 2024 and the schedule and fans will be able to check out many of these releases with netflix it's pretty neat considering that new anime on netflix used to be held back for a few months after its initial release in Japan, but that's changing for a few of the most notable projects. Thank goodness the Netflix jail was hell. Coming this January to Netflix are the likes of Delicious in Dungeon, which will actually be streaming on a weekly basis around the world simultaneously. The Seven Deadly Sins for Nights of the Apocalypse, which is actually a delayed release following the anime's premiere in Japan last fall. Yeah, that, that was a, a delay. Don't, don't try and cap. And I am very much so excited for that. I am watching the living crap out of that. I can't wait. And a brand new anime project like Maboroshi. You can check out the promo of the new anime coming this January. Let's see here. It says Netflix's new anime release schedule includes Delicious and Dragon, January 4th. So as of you watching this right now, you can watch Delicious and Dragon if you'd like. Maboroshi, January 15th. The Seven Daily Sins, Four Nights of the Apocalypse. Oh, God. So still another couple of weeks away. January 31st, about three weeks away at this point. It's going to be a grueling wait. Monsters 103, Mercy's Dragon, Damnation. Is Monsters 103... Uh, Monsters, the one from Eichiro Oda? I'm, I'm wondering. The leading new anime coming to Netflix this month is Delicious and Dragon, and it features Yoshihiro Miyajima directing the anime for Studio Trigger. Oh, God. Studio Trigger's involved. I'm excited. I didn't know this was Studio Trigger. Okay. Now I'm more excited for that. I might peep. As for what to expect from the new anime, Netflix teases the series as such. Delicious and Dragon, that is, to eat or to be eaten. Within the depths of the dungeon, his younger sister was eaten by a red dragon, an adventurer, Lot. I almost said Latios, like the Pokemon. Laios barely made it back to the surface with his life. He attempts the dungeon again, but money and food are deep within his bowels. Faced with a critical situation where his system may be digested at any moment, Laios decides food shall be self-providing from within the dungeon. Slimes, basilisks, mimics, and even dragons. While eating those that attack you, aim to traverse the dungeon adventurer. And I just realized something as I'm reading this and as we've been talking throughout this episode of Forever News. This being the year of the dragon is 99. 9% of the reason more than likely why they are doing that Dragon Ball Daima anime and not continuing the super thing Dragon Ball Daima is probably a big celebration for Year of the Dragon Dragon Ball being the most popular anime globally it makes sense so I know that's a super off topic but just figured I'd throw that in there that's why they're doing that more than likely because it's the Year of the Dragon and I mean personally I would have been like It'd be more hype and I'd get more excited to celebrate the year of Dragon with Dragon Ball Super's anime returning for, you know, from the manga stuff, you know, Moro, but that's probably what it is. Moving forward, this I like to hear. Warner Brothers Animation Exec speaks out against the use of AI. While I feel like AI does have a place in certain aspects, AI completely taken over is just a 
no-go. It's just a bad thing. And to hear an exec speaking out against it, I'm here for it. Warner Brothers Animation has gone through a number of changes in the last few years, and the president behind it all revealed that he's actually against using AI in their works in order to better protect the artists at their studios. The use of AI technology has led to a massive debate among those in the animation industry as advancements in the technology itself stem from the use of stolen artwork from others. But for some industries, it also seems like a shortcut to a speedier delivery of a final product. But the president of Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios disagrees. Sam Register, wow, Sam Register's still out there. Salute to homie. President of Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios was recently in a round table with other studio executives for the LA Times, and they were asked about the use Use of AI technology and whether or not they were worried about it. Register responded first with animations, a visual medium, but so far I haven't seen anything AI can do visually that an artist doesn't do better currently. He, he had to add in currently, you know what I'm saying? Currently to whether or not he's been using it before elaborating further. As an animation studio, I just think it's important we protect the artist and the art form as long as we can because I think we should give jobs to people who really do that and so they can get their entry-level experience. Register also asked about whether or not linear TV could exist at the same time as streaming, explaining that it's getting harder. It's getting harder. As part of Warner Brothers, we have a lot of linear networks. They're very profitable and they're still selling great stuff to them. But we're also making sure that there's a place that they will live also on streaming. So we're doing ambidextrous programming and selling. But as they try and appeal to their audiences, their adult animation seems to be hitting off, but they're having trouble appealing to children. We make everything from preschool to adult animation, and it's the kids that 6 to 11 core that basically Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon and Disney all made their bones on that is disappearing. And that's mainly due to TikTok and, and phones. I'm going to just be straight up honest with you. Like the phones and the TikToks and shorts and that form of content has completely stolen the attention of the children. Like none of my kids be putting on the TV anymore looking for anything. And if they do, it's usually to hop on YouTube or watch like a quick movie on Netflix or something like that. No, None of them are trying to watch cable or any of that stuff no more at all. We're seeing a lot more of YA and adult animation doing great, and we see a lot of younger content being produced, but it's that space in the middle. And it's not just streaming that's getting kids away from linear. It's YouTube and it's Roblox. Oh, that's another one, Roblox too. Oh my God, Roblox got my daughter in a stronghold, homie. Yes, he is 110% dead right on all of that. That is facts. And it's interesting because like, you could predict to a certain degree, I've got to imagine a lot of these corporations and the higher, 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 higher ups of society could predict where kids are going and maybe they still can because technically even the algorithms of all these websites and you know roblox and all those are, are programmed by people at the end of the day maybe they can predict in different ways what these kids will grow to be based on the influences that they're being programmed with like we were programmed with cable tv so you had you know they had a very basic or very I would argue even less than or more than basic. They probably had a very intricate understanding of where kids would go. If like, okay, you're programmed with watching Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network every day. We kind of know what you're going to be into, what type of person you're going to be because you watch those two things every day. Might be a little bit more of an interesting thing considering like, okay, they're still serving up in masses essentially like the main things of like what they want children to see but now they're going to multiple different avenues they're going to the roblox they're going to the youtubes they're going to the uh tiktok i guess the next generation of kids after gen z is going to be fascinating to see how they turn out because even gen z has been growing up where yeah technology and you know the phones is integral to them but it still have been primitive like it's been very primitive to a certain degree as they've been growing while the next generation of kids like it's less primitive and they've got more of an idea so it's gonna be fascinating to see but yeah 6 to 11 they are in a stronghold on everything else except 
linear TV. Moving forward, I thought it was kind of interesting to see that the Game of Thrones creator has praised an anime, uh, The Blue Eye Samurai, said it's terrific. Shoutouts to George R. Martin. Maybe someday he'll finish some of them damn novels. It turns out the creator behind Game of Thrones is just a big fan of Netflix's Blue Eye Samurai, as others are, as he's also waiting for the next season of the series. Blue Eye Samurai is one of the more surprising animated releases in 2023, as Netflix series had a quiet premiere, but quickly took off with fans thanks to a strong word of mouth as more eyes caught the series. I need to try it again. I like started watching a little bit. I remember I was like tired out my mind and I couldn't really pay attention. I need to try to get back into it. But it's been revealed that Game of Thrones creator George R. R. Martin is also a fan of the series as well. He revealed in a recent update with fans on his blog. Martin took to his blog to share the fact that he recently also discovered Blue Eye Samurai and had nothing but praise for the animated series. I hardly know where to start on this one. Once we started watching it, we could not stop. Binge the whole thing in three nights and I am already hungry for the second season. Martin continued to heap praise on the series and even mentioned that it's fans like his own work. They will like this series as well. I wonder if secretly he had something to do with it. Who knows? Maybe he ghost wrote it. <laughs> never know, homie. I, I'm putting that past people no more. They're also doing some amazing things with animation these days as series like Love, Death, and Robots have shown, Martin continued. This is coming from a kid who was weaned on the classic Disney features. Even so, Blue Eye Samurai has the most gorgeous art that I've ever seen. The story is terrific as well. Set in Japan during the Edo period, it is violent, visceral, sexy, and even more than a little kinky in spots. With ama- oh god, there he goes. He's probably thinking about wieners, huh? No. <laughs> All, all jokes, George R. R. Martin, all jokes. With amazing action sequences and a cast of well-developed characters, colorful and complex and real. Flawed heroes, villains who are more than cartoons, though they are cartoons being drawn, after all. Martin then capped it off with the biggest bit of praise yet, as he teased that fans of his own work would like Blue Eye Samurai as well. Blue Eye Samurai is very much its own thing, and it is magnificent. Even if you don't normally watch animation, give it a try. It's terrific. If you like my own stuff, I think you'll love it. As for Blue Eye Samurai Season 2, uh... This, is in the works so they, they already confirmed that another season is coming in hey george r martin if you're a big fan of his works he's basically telling you like he feels like it's a lot like his stuff so you may like it i don't know give it a try moving forward new pokemon series debuts with rare perfect rotten tomato score that's interesting pokemon has had its fair share of quality animated releases but pokemon concierge's premiere on netflix has earned a rare debut with a perfect score on rotten tomatoes the pokemon company wrapped up its animation experiments for 2023 with the debut of a new stop motion animated take on the long-running franchise i'll keep reading but i didn't realize that this was about a stop animation thing don't care. It's been such a hit with Netflix that Pokemon Concierge not only led to the release of new prolific icons for the streaming service itself, but has also seen a major hit with critics as well. The series is currently listed with a perfect 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 92% audience score. What is that? Like amongst like five people maybe? <laughs> like who who's interested? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out my behind. I don't know. Following its debut with seven reviews catalog at the same at the time of this. Ra- oh, seven reviews. There you go. That's why. The score has the potential to change once more reviews it will change who will it get a second season it's yet to be announced i don't care next story next i'm sorry i normally don't do that next story and a story I, I'm, I'm interested in might i add because it's about meg the stallion and if you know tim then you know that i love me some meg i love me some beautiful black woman i'm just saying jujutsu kaisen meg the stallion reacts to the season two finale of jujutsu kaisen kaisen season two officially come to an end with its final episode of the year and artist meg the stallion shared her hilarious reaction to the final episode with fans on social media meg has been one of the major artists that has been openly sharing her love for anime and that is one of the reasons why a lot of people do mess with her is like yo dog she's 
She's like us. She's a nerd like us. And often shares which anime she's currently keeping up with. This includes those new anime series that have been airing new episodes this fall. And it turns out she's been watching JJK along with many other anime fans over the last few months. Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 came to an end this past week. And with it ended the Shibuya Incident arc. Yuji Itadori and the surviving Jujutsu Sorcerers have taken a number of losses over the course of the arc so far. But the finale had the fake Suguru Geto twist in the knife even more so. Not only leaving Japan in total chaos after everything that happened. The finale also saw Geto get away with the currently sealed Satoru Gojo. It's something Megan the Stallion took note of as she went to her Instagram stories to react to the moment with where he think he going with my man. She was probably going to say her man. You know, everybody fuck with Gojo. Guys think he's awesome. Women want him. Unfortunately for Meg and the other fans of JJK, we won't get to see what's next for Satoru Gojo and the others until JJK Season 3, announced to be in the works following the end of Season 2. Poor Mappa Studio animators. You know, God, God be there for them. Uh, the Culling Game arc will be tackling this deadly tournament teased by Ghetto, in which both new sorcerers and revived cursed spirits will be activating their abilities and fighting one another in an increasingly destroyed Japan. Jujutsu Kaisen season 2's finale is titled Shibuya Incident Gate Close and of course is now streaming you can check it out uh, yeah salute to Meg the Stallion like keeping up with some of the greats that everybody is rocking with like yo I love and shout outs to Meg for everything else I'm, I'm not speaking on none of the other stuff but I love when Meg gets into her nerd bag and Meg if you ever seen this I say this sincerely from my heart you are at your best and we love you so much when you are in your nerd bag and being your nerdy self. And I think that that's super okay. I think you should demonstrate more of that. You know, you could take from artists like Uzi. Uzi has shown how much he loves anime and multiple music videos and stuff like that. I think that you will find a lot more of a reward artistically, creatively, and self-worth if you go more into your nerd bag and let it reflect in your art and you know musically and whatnot i'm not saying to start doing raps about gojo or jujutsu kaisen or anything like that i'm just saying let kind of cross your world and be more of your nerdy self because i think that that's the the best version of meg the stallion that i love to see and i'm not trying to put her in a box by any means i'm just saying i would love to see meg embrace more her nerdism aside from just these little social media posts which are cool in and of themselves but i think meg would really shine brighter than ever embracing you like yo i'm a black woman nerd and yeah look at my music video where i'm showcasing i'm a black woman nerd and look at my comic i'm a black woman nerd and not that she has to continuously say that but i think it's also inspiring and just in general i love nerdy meg i love meg talking her nerd stuff and salute to meg the stallion regardless moving forward crunchyroll to stream blue exorcist shimani illuminati saga kingdom season 5 the strongest tanks labyrinth raids and more anime crunchyroll announced on wednesday it'll be streaming the following series as part of the winter 2024 anime season dub languages in parentheses january 6th so by the time you are watching this episode of forever news you can watch the blue exorcist shimani illuminati saga in english french german uh, Kingdom on January 6th, Season 5, The Strongest Tanks Labyrinth Raids on January 6th, uh, January 7th, you got Mr. Villain's Day Off, Tis Time for Torture, Princess, and then January 12th, The Weakest Tamer Began a Journey to Pick Up Trash. What is this, yo? What? Uh, the company will announce more titles in the future, but out of all of that, the two main ones I'm sure people are going to be jumping on is Blue X's and Kingdom. 
salute to them. And uh, I need to go back and watch uh, Blue Exit Season 2. I never did. Or I think I watched like the first episode or so. I don't know. Moving forward, Gintama creator announced a special popularity poll. Salute to Gintama. I was just looking at my Gintama DVD collection a little bit ago. The latest Jump Festa re- revealed some major news when it came to big anime franchises, including the likes of Chainsaw Man, One Piece, My Hero, and many others. One big update might have gotten lost in the sea of news drops and that Gintama was continuing to work on his upcoming anime spinoff set to make landfall next year, 2025. That's a long ways off. To help in celebrating the 20th anniversary of the beloved Shonen franchise, creator Hideaki Sorachi has announced a popularity poll in which the characters that rank the highest will receive some special art. It's hard to deny that Gintama became a massive hit when it comes to the Shonen universe. The story of Gintoki Sakata has received a number of anime adaptations in the past, and it doesn't seem as though it will be slowing down anytime soon. Luckily, Sorachi hasn't forgotten the love that anime fans have for their Shonen universe. A 500-character popularity poll for Gintama is now open on its official website that you can access when the poll comes to an end. Sorachi has promised to create new art that will unite the top 20 characters on one page. So, little character popularity poll for OG Gintama fans. Nothing crazy, but definitely something just due for Gintama fans alike. Then here we got Kaiju number 8 Hype's 2024 release with new poster. We got a new poster from the creator himself uh, to hype up Kaiju number 8. It's definitely going to be a big one. And looking at the poster, it is pretty awesome looking. I can't freaking wait. Um... I really enjoyed uh, Kaiju number 8 from what I read, and I'm not that far off. I'm probably, like, at this point, maybe 15 to 20 chapters behind, and Kaiju number 8 is awesome, and I think the anime is going to be a big one. Pause. Then we got first look at Ajin Demi-Human, creator Sakurai Gamon's new sci-fi military action manga series, The Pool, starting in Good Afternoon, issue 3, 2024, out February 7th, and the sci-fi action about a space soldier squad receiving a distress signal from an abandoned mining facility, and yeah, the visual, I ain't gonna lie, it kind of looks like a, a a visual from a 3d animation or something which i'm guessing that that's probably what the anime is going to look like as well which is why he's setting up the visuals to look like that off rip because it's gonna maybe there's already a promised guaranteed anime to come with it but yeah i don't know how i feel about the animation also the character in the middle looks nothing like everybody else like you can tell he's the main guy he has the red hair everybody else looks like regular like dude in the far left with the green tank top he kind of has a cool design but I don't know. We'll see. I'm not a fan of the art style, just being honest with you. Then we just got a couple of pieces of art for 2024 to celebrate. Uh, Kohei Horikoshi, creator of My Hero Academia, did a Happy New Year 2024 piece of art with some of the girls from My Hero Academia. You got Uraraka, you got Sue, you got a few of them. Looks kind of cool. I ain't gonna lie. I love when the authors bring in the new year with a nice piece of art. Likewise, you got a couple of pieces from creator of Fairy Tale, Hiro Mashima. He did Happy New Year with a picture of Igneal. And then he did one that I really like with uh, three of the main characters of his series. He got uh, from Eden Zero Shiki. He got Homie from his latest work, Dead Rock. And then he has, of course, Natsu from Fairy Tale. And shout out to Homie in the middle. He has the sickest design that Hiro Mashima has done thus far, period. Uh, out of Raid Master, Fairy Tale. Eden Zero, that's my guy right there. I love his design. It looks sick. And then just a couple of extra pieces of news. Uh, Golden Kamui by Satoru Noda has 27 million copies in circulation for the whole series, 31 volumes. So almost a million of volume, a little bit off from that, but kudos to that. I really enjoyed uh, when I had watched, I think, season one of Golden Kamui. And then, uh, not anime manga, but I wanted to mention it. Todd McFarlane says he plans to make his Spawn movie with outside investors if Bloomhouse doesn't make it in 2024. Uh, I want a Spawn film. Spawn is long overdue. I'm not sure why they playing our guy. Spawn is awesome, so give us the Spawn film. And shout-outs to uh, McFarlane for saying, you know what? If y'all don't do it, I'm gonna do it, homie. 
looking forward to it. And there's no author comments this week, so I guess without further ado, let's jump into the top 50 best-selling manga of the week, courtesy of Jose underscore K. Starting with places 50 through 41, we got Irumakum, volume 35, in 18 days, 138K. That's crazy. It's kind of... Very quick run. In, well, a little over two weeks, it's already almost off the charts. Then we got a crap ton of these Hitori Goto volumes, volume 12, 9, 10, all doing, uh, let's see, about 16 to 17 apiece. The Summer Hikaru Died, volume 4, in 21 days, 106K. All right. More of the Hitori Goto, volume 8, uh, in 944 days, 654 with 17 as well. Another Hitori Goto, volume 7. Uh, doing 17.3 this week and in 1125 days 702k one piece volume 107 uh, in 53 days 1.4 million you're seeing the slow gradual decrease in one piece sales like it had a big bump because of film red and everything but it's starting to go back to where it was headed and that's that dog this manga has been going for 107 volumes. How much more do you expect it to keep on increasing in popularity, you know? Uh, then places 40 through 31. Hitori Goto occupying more spots with volumes 6, 4, and 5. Doing 18 to 18.5k apiece. Uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, volume 28 in 6 days, 19.2k. Is that a reboot? I think that's a reboot. Or is that an... I don't know. Uh, Sosa no Freire in volume 7. 648 days, 601k. Volume 9... 20k this round with 554k oh there's quite a few so so no fear in volume 8 3 4 all doing about 20 to 20.4 a piece not bad i, I really rock with so so no fear then we got places 30 through 21 god damn more free Aaron. volume 6 10 5 2 all again doing about 20 uh, 0.5 to 20.9k golly volume 1 even with 22k this week Yo, that, that Beyond Journeys End anime did phenomenal. Volume 11 doing 22. Oh, my God. That author is eaten. Uh, then JJK, Jujutsu Kaisen, Volume 24. In 82 days, 1.296. Yo, that's crazy. We are not far off from being selling more than the latest One Piece volume. That is freaking interesting. Although, wait. I think the One Piece volume had less time out. Wait, yeah. One Piece had 53. Jujutsu Kaisen had 80. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's not fair. But salute to Jujutsu Kaisen. Then we got places 20 through 11. Let's see here. Chojin X, creator of to uh, Tokyo Ghoul's latest manga, volume 8. In six days, 30.7K. I bet he's missing them Tokyo Ghoul days, dog. Tokyo Ghoul doing hundreds of thousands first week. Kaiju number 8, volume 11. 21 days, 272K. Uh, Soso no Friarin, volume 12, limited edition. In seven days, 488 Chainsaw Man in 21 days, 267K. It's slowly but surely decreasing in popularity. Like, there's no denying it. And it's not that I want it. It's just the reality. I know some people get upset when I say the facts, but that's the facts. Like, don't get mad at me. Get mad at the people in Japan that are not buying the volumes and lost interest. Zatch Bell 2, Volume 3, in 10 days, 129K. Big, big wins for this author, man. Shoutouts to, uh, let's see here, Makoto Right, Dude is doing his thing. Then we got Top 10, Top 10, Top 10, Top 10. Let's see here. What the hell is Chikawa? Chikawa, Volume 6, 86K in 4 days, and 83K in 4 days for the limited edition. So, 169, almost 170K. Black Lagoon with a new volume. Wow. Volume 13 of Black Lagoon. Black Lagoon only got 13 volumes, huh? On uh, six days, 98.4K. Insane. Blue Lock in 10 days, 196K for volume 27. 
Jojo Lands Part 9 or Jojo Lands Jojo Part 9 Volume 2 in 6 days 131k insane and then at number 1 in 7 days Volume 12 of Sosa No Free Aaron with 299.7 almost 300,000 and if you add in the limited edition that did 48k that's like 350,000 nearly uh, in its first week insane salute to beyond journeys and i need to get back onto it and yeah that's all we have for this episode of forever news we did it baby thanks for watching hope you enjoyed i'm tim and as always people have an awesome day and remember the golden rule anime and manga for life boy have an awesome day peace in and you guys just watched another episode of forever news make sure to subscribe and hit that bell to get more and check out my album the rise of tim roosevelt out right now action maybe you can see when i'm moving Never can I lie to the beauty Never can I have what I'm doing Maybe our love is a movie Maybe our love is a movie Maybe our love is a movie